Well, hello, Ian Altman. Welcome to the Dating Advisory Board. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. You can read Ian's articles each week online in Forbes and Inc. Marketing luminary Seth Godin recommends Ian's latest book, Same Side Selling, as one of the two books to read on B2B selling, and his other recommended book, A Spin, Spin Selling from 1988. He is the host of the weekly podcast, Grow My Revenue, business cast on iTunes. He started, sold, and grew his companies worldwide to values of more than a billion dollars. Ian lives in Washington, D.C. area with his two children, a dog, and a wife who's amazing. So welcome, Ian Altman. Thank you so much for being here today. Jen, thanks for having me here. And I always say that my wife, I have a wife that I don't deserve. So, <laughs> so she is amazing. No, she really is. I love, I love her. Um, so can you give us a little bit of background of who you are and how you came to write this book and do your speaking sessions? And so just give us a background on you. I started my first company in 1993. We became a Fast 50 company by 1998, so one of the 50 fastest growing companies in the Washington, D.C. region. We then started a software company also, grew both companies in parallel to the point that in 2005, a group of investment bankers out of New York said, hey, these guys appear to know what they're doing. Notice appear. But they appear to know what they're doing, acquired my company for cash and stock. I then grew the acquiring company as the managing director. So the board asked me to become managing director of that parent company, and we grew the value from $100 million to approximately $2 billion over the next few years. I realized pretty quickly that I enjoyed growing companies more than I enjoyed running them. Mm-hmm. And so I took six months of absolutely nothing except for drive Deborah totally nuts. And she said, you got to find a hobby or a job or something to do. And since it was always fun for me to help other businesses grow, I started this business which is really just speaking and writing and helping other people on how to better connect with their audience, if you will, or their customers, or in your case, the, 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 um, the people they're interested in dating. Nonetheless, it's all about communication, and that's what I do now. So my first book was called Upside Down Selling, which I believe was a bestseller because it was in color, and you could read it in less than 30 minutes. Oh, wow. And so if you take color, pictures, less than 30 minutes, targeting salespeople and executives, that's right up their alley. They right. can process that. This book, Same Side Selling, I co-wrote with a uh, friend, Jack Quarles, who spent two decades in purchasing and procurement. And it's all about the adversarial tension that pits buyer and seller against one another and how we fix that so that it's more collaborative and we're kind of working together to put a puzzle together, which really will tie nicely into the whole dating side of the world. Yeah, because you think about it, when you're meshing two different personalities in the dating world um, versus in business, so when you talk about growth um, and you're growing these companies, I mean, how are you going in there and what are you telling them, in, especially in the sales department? Because um, I'm just interested to know like how you do that. Well, so everything is integrity-based. Old school sales methods just don't work anymore. So the in-your-face, pushy salesperson who is going to wear out their welcome, and it's the it's it's the human equivalent of spam. Right. We don't have any patience for. So I always say there are three different personas in sales. There's the order taker, there's the salesperson, and there's the subject matter expert. And the order taker is the person who someone calls up and says, "I need three of these, two of those. Here's the price. I ship it out." Um, that person's got a limited future because they're going to be replaced by Amazon. The salesperson thinks their job is to convince people they need what they're selling, whether they need it or not. And the subject matter expert is the person the customer would actually be willing to pay for in order just to have the meeting. It doesn't matter which persona you think you are. What you have to imagine is if you're the customer, which one do you want? And it's always the subject matter expert. 
So if you're someone who's there to help solve rather than sell, then you're seen as somebody with integrity rather than somebody who's just pushy. Yeah, because one of your famous uh, quotes was focus on the problems you solve. Yeah. So at least for uh, for me in business, I mean, we had to become the subject matter expert in tele you know, telecommunications and sure. communications infrastructure because when we're going there and talking to the client, we say, okay, how do we solve? What's the issues that you're having in your business, and how can we help? Not oh, let's just put a phone on your desk. Exactly. Right. Because then you're. In, how do I help you? So like, let's talk a little bit about when you're building that sales funnel. Like, how do you even begin that? And especially because we're going to tie that into the dating world in a second. But I'm just curious. How, let's start with how you build that sales funnel and cycle and, and, and how when you say you go into these companies and you grow them, how are you doing that? So much, much of what we start with is understanding who's a good fit for you. And that applies to dating as well as on the business side. But on the business side, the way we look at it is what are the symptoms or conditions that you're good at treating, if you will? So if you kind of think about putting on metaphorically your doctor's white coat, and now you're seeking patients that might have this condition, if you were the best surgeon in the world at treating tennis elbow, that's fantastic. But only people with tennis elbow or symptoms of tennis elbow are gonna care. No one else is gonna care. Similarly, on a personal level, if you're someone who enjoys um, outdoor activities and going to the theater, you're not a fit for somebody who doesn't like those things. And to think that somehow you're gonna convince someone that they should change their world and now start doing the things you like, it's probably not gonna be a good fit. And so metaphorically, what we talk about in Same Side Selling is this idea of puzzle pieces. So you're walking around with a bag of puzzle pieces that's incomplete. You're trying to find other people that have pieces that when you put them together, it makes a beautiful picture. But if you get somebody who's got a different type of puzzle or they don't have the same, they're not looking to make the same picture as you, guess what? No matter what you do, even if you chiseled out those pieces, it's gonna make a pretty ugly picture. They're not gonna look good. And so if you think of it that way, recognize that most of the people you meet in business, most of the people you meet personally, aren't necessarily a fit for what you might be trying to put together today. Doesn't mean that there's not, they're not a fit ever. It doesn't mean they're not a fit for someone else you know. It doesn't mean that they'll never be a fit. It just means today they may not be. And the more you try to push it, the more you're repelling them away. And if you said, look, it doesn't look like there's a good fit today, but hey, I'll touch back with you. I'll, I'll, I'll touch base with you in six months, see if anything's changed. They're probably going to be receptive to hearing from you again. Right. That makes sense. Because then you talk about um, different industries. So like a salesperson, okay, what, what target market are you going into? And if you say, okay, for me, like I have a lot of nonprofit clients because I like to help them build their own infrastructure to help sure. everybody. So I have a majority of my clients are nonprofits. So I'm, I'm solid in that area. Then, then I can have better references and say, well, I've done, you know, four people on your block in D.C. You want, you want to go there and you want to go meet and see the phone system and get an introduction. And then you guys can, you know, give all the information. So, you so, so think about it. Perfect example that, that you just gave. So if you're working with nonprofits now, you get to walk into a new nonprofit and say, I'd love to talk to you about some of the trends that I'm seeing in nonprofits and how they're addressing their biggest challenges. In fact, the biggest challenges that we hear from nonprofits using systems like you have today are these four. Well, guess what? You're gonna list the four that you know probably better than they do that they're experiencing. Yeah, or they may not. I've had, I had situations where we'll say, oh, well, here's a nonprofit down the street is doing X, Y, and Z in their call center or in, in, in call accounting. I mean, are you doing that? Are is people traveling internationally? So asking the right questions. So when sure. you go back and you, 
you want to say, okay, how can I help solve this problem? So when you come in there and say, oh, I never even thought about that. Yes, I definitely want to look into that because we could utilize that. So that automatically builds a rapport and I mean, some sort of loyalty to say, wow, they really care about my business. So the next vendor that knocks on the door, they may or may not be, depending on the situation, <laughs> be willing to talk to them or not, as long as you're keeping them, keeping them engaged. And, and it's, all, it's all about that level of honesty and integrity. Yeah. We were, we were just on vacation and I'm one of these crazy people who is enthusiastic about going to the, the presentation for timeshares because of what I do. For me, it's like, all right, this is going to be fun. Yeah. And so they said, oh, listen, we're going to spend an hour. So you come to this. Here's all the stuff we'll give you. It's for an hour. Well, I'm going if they give me nothing because it's always gives me something to write about or speak about. And so after an hour and 20 minutes, this guy's still speaking. And I mm-hmm. said, well, hold on. We agreed to spend an hour. It's an hour and 20 minutes now. I'm going to get back and continue the vacation with my family now. This is, well, no, I mean, you know, we probably have just another 15 or 20 minutes. And I said, well, see, here's the problem. You clearly told me an hour and you had no expectation it was going to be an hour, which means you don't have any problem lying about stuff. So I don't know what else you lied to me about. So everything else you've told me is a waste now. Right. Now that you lied to me about one thing, why should I trust you going forward? Which ties in like when people go on to these online dating sites and they lie about themselves and someone meets them and it's not what they advertised. Okay, so what else are you going to lie to me about? Now that you've lied about that, what else? Right, right. I mean, so think about it. I mean, you've heard the stories. I've heard the stories um, of not, that's why I always tell you, be authentic. Put your real picture out there. Put your bio that is you out there. Don't be somebody else. I mean, you wouldn't do that to the client. I mean, like, joking aside, but the, the pictures that are online, you would never post that on LinkedIn and expect to get business. Yeah. And you probably ain't getting business on the other way either with that kind of picture. Depends what kind of business you're well, looking Well, I mean, for. this is true. But I'm just saying, who, what quality person is going to take you seriously? I mean, there's not. Yeah. Right? Say, okay, click, delete, block. By, by, by the way, maybe those people aren't looking for quality people. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, when their profile said, they said, oh, he just wants long walks on the beach. and Really? Because that's not really what, I mean, maybe it's some other long walk. But I'm just saying. Maybe it's a long walk on the beach as a metaphor. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you talked about uh, discovering an approach to selling everyone can embrace, even your customer on your podcast, Grow My Revenue. Can we talk a little bit more in depth about that? Just yeah. So it gets back to this integrity-based approach, which is, if you're doing things that your customer isn't comfortable with, if you're doing things that the other party isn't comfortable with, then you're creating tension, adversarial tension, where there's a level of mistrust. If, on the other hand, you're doing things that extend that trust beyond what anyone else is doing, then it helps. So I just uh, just recently bought a Tesla, and I wrote about this in my column in Inc where when I went there, I said, look, I need the car with the maximum range. And the sales guy says, that's what everyone says when they come here. How far do you drive? He's asked me a bunch of questions. Do you take a lot of road trips? I'm like, no, I hate road trips. Okay. Do you go to the beach? Well, maybe go out to Ocean City once every two or three years. Okay. Why do you feel you need a car that has a 300 mile range? Um, It sounds like you never drive more than 150 miles away. That's a good point. So the sales rep says, look, I mean, you can do what you want, but if we get this other model, you're going to save about $20,000. But if you want this other one, I'm happy to sell it to you. Well, by doing that, he built a ton of credibility. So now I trusted everything else he said. A couple of years ago, I was looking to buy 
an even stupider car that was this Maserati Quattroporte. And I was like convinced. Okay, well, that's awesome, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a big gonna, car girl. So, so like, Detroit, hey, Detroit hey, background. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to buy, buy that. And this guy, David Wagelstein, at member car in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I'm like all set. Okay, hey, I'm ready. Let, let me buy the car. And he, and he puts the pen down. He says, how much do you know about this car? I said, well, not that much, but, you know, my son likes it. And this is like, it looks like a cool car. And mm-hmm. it just got really great performance. He says, a car like this will probably cost you, on average, about $15,000 a year just in maintenance. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, $15,000. i am like, well, I mean, you know, there's no way I'm buying a car that costs that much a year in maintenance. That's ridiculous. He goes, that's what I'm telling you. I don't want you to buy it and find out after the fact. So when people do things like that, that are such high integrity that it builds that trust where the customer says, man, I want to work with them because these are people who are looking out for my best interest, not just their own. And that's the real difference that we're trying to get to. So when we talk about an approach to selling, everybody can embrace even your customer. It's your job as the person doing the selling to identify if it's not a fit. It's not your, your goal is not to make the sale. Your goal is to see, do they have, do they have a fit for what we do? Can we, can we generate dramatic impact for them and measure the results? And if we can, wow, that's a great fit. And if we can't, then we're not, we're, we're not right for them. We should be happy to recommend somebody else. Right, like in the dating world. It may not work out with us when you go on a date, but I may have a referral for you. Sure. Right? Sure. And, and, and I don't know that you want to necessarily lead with that. Right. But you could say to somebody, hey, look, I'm looking forward to getting together with you. And I'm sure at some point during the night, we're either gonna feel like there's a connection between us, and if there's not, there's a good chance we're gonna know someone else that we're connected to who the other right. person might be a good fit for. Yeah, and let's. Uh, and this is a good segue into my next question. When you talk about building your network, right, and you did your article with, and we'll talk with, about that with Derek, and um, so you're building that network of people. So when you're out there, you're at networking events, or you're dating, and you go to these group dates, or you do, um, you know, lunches or however you are meeting or online, that is, that's somebody that you're, you're meeting that you never know down the line, hey, you could become friends and they could, inter- could introduce you to somebody that you really like, right? I mean, so you just never know. So don't, t- I have a girlfriend that was like, I don't want to do it. And I said, just go on there. I said, any, I mean, look at, you're building your network. You're building yeah. your base of people or your friends. Like you don't know what kind of experiences that you can have if you don't take a chance. Well, and, and I think that, I think that in business, people will say, okay, I'm going out to meet with this person and here's someone I'm gonna network with and they start thinking in a binary sense, is this person I'm gonna get business from or not? Mm-hmm. And in a dating world, think about your network, it'd be easy to fall in the same trap. Is this the person I'm gonna fall in love with or not? Instead of, this might be someone who we connect, but not that way, and they become a great friend who we do other things with. It could be somebody who you know what, gee, we really get along, but it's almost more like, you know, siblings. So there's not like romantic interest there. But guess what? Now that I've gotten to know them and we kind of add value to each other's lives, now I know them better. So I can say, you know, I I just met somebody who I think you would really like. And so if I took that binary approach of is this someone I'm romantically interested in or not, then I might miss opportunities in my network just because I'm singularly focused. Right, right, and I think that applies. So let's talk a little bit about some of the principles um, that can apply in both the dating world and the business world from your article in Forbes that you wrote with Derek Coburn of Cadre. Sure. Yeah. 
Sure. So, so Derek uh, is a mutual mutual friend of ours. Runs this amazing cadre group. I know that you've had Melanie on the on the yeah. on the program, and so Derek is someone who's like just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the value of building a network. And most of it starts with not touting how great you are, but thinking about where you can add value to other people. And so it's the same thing we're talking about now, which is if you look at it not of what am I going to get out of this, but what can I bring to this new connection? And it might be that you say, wow, they're really into me, but I'm not into them. So you could either be offended by that, or you can say, you know what, I think you're great. It's just not exactly what I'm looking for, but you've got some great attributes that I think other people that I know might really enjoy. I hope, I hope that doesn't bother you. I hope you're not offended by that. And I mean, if it's someone who you say, wow, they're a great person, just not for me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. So if you take that approach of, I'm going to stand on the table and say, look at me, look how great I am. No one wants to hang out with that person anyhow. Yeah. Or then there's the other side where, you know, if you're sitting the floorboard and you're too scared to get out of the door because you're afraid of what's on the other side, right? Yeah. And still you're afraid of asking for the sale or whatever. You're afraid of what somebody's going to say in your own mind. I mean, number one, you may need to look in a different field or get a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> one well, or the, the therapist stuff is probably more likely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 I often say that in business, the best closing line is not anything related to the sale. The best closing line is, would you like our help? So from a business side, it's, would you like our help? And from a relationship side, it's, it's almost more like, hey, are you having fun? Because really, if two people are having fun together, there's probably other potential. So if instead of thinking, how can I quote, close this deal, you think, is the other person having fun? Because if they are, then magic happens. And right. if they aren't, then, you know, I don't care how good your closing line is, it's probably not going to happen. No, 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 no. Now, if you're trying to build a dating strategy, right? I mean, what would be some of the first steps you would do from the business sense? Yep. Um, because it can be overwhelming for people that, are, that have been out there for a while or just got back in and like, how do I even begin? Well, well it's, and, and it's great because I think, there's a, I think there's a lot of overlap. In a bus from a business standpoint, what I tell people is first, when you know what types of problems you solve, then you start thinking about, who has those sorts of problems? Well, in a dating world, you're not really looking for people that have problems, but what you want to think about is, what's someone's circumstance who's a good fit for me? So if you're somebody who's now dating and you have children, you might have a hard time dating somebody who doesn't get the idea of someone with children. So maybe you say, you know what? I'm probably more likely to connect with somebody who has children also, because they're going to understand that. So where where might i find people like that where do those people hang out so from a business mm -hmm. side if i'm trying to look at gee i'm marketing towards professional services firms what i'm going to say is where do those professional services firms hang out what associations or organizations are they affiliated with on a personal level gee i like active things so where are other active people hanging out so you play tennis so for you to say okay gee i'm going to go to some events that tend to be geared towards single players, and there's a chance that I might meet single tennis players there. Right, and if you like tennis, I mean, um, the, the big uh, city opens coming here. I'm not gonna be able to play in the Pro-Am this year, so I'm pretty upset about well, it, so but it's this weekend. To. I know, seven years, I haven't missed it, but didn't didn't work out this year, but next year for sure, right. yeah. 
Um, so I guess I got another couple of questions on um, prospects and dating and business and dating, um, more of a management side, right? Because in business, you have your prospects and how often do I contact them? Because I'm going to get this into on the technology side in a second. But how often do you contact them and what are the best ways about going about you know, keeping with the business and then we'll move it over into the day. Well, so on the on the business side, it's you can contact people as often as you have relevant, valuable information to share with them. And what I mean by that is there's all this marketing automation out there now. So people mm -hmm. put their clients on what's called a drip campaign. Um, our, our mutual friend, Bob London, um, I, I, interview, Bob. I interviewed Bob on my on my podcast, and Bob says, "Yeah, it's a drip campaign because it's like a Chinese water torture. I mean, you just get like this information <laughs> dripped, and, and it's all under the pretense of I'm adding value, but it really isn't. Right. So if you the 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 typical follow up most salespeople do is, hey, just want to check in, see if you made a decision yet, which is all centered around the sale." And the reality is that let's say, let's say that you connected with someone at a business level, but now that you haven't heard you haven't heard from them. Well, if you understand what's important to them, then you can follow up and say, "Hey, when we spoke last time, you mentioned that you were having trouble in your call centers. That 20% of your calls were being dropped. That that your members were really upset, mm -hmm. and it was starting to cost cost you business. I haven't heard back. I'm guessing you guys figured out another way to solve it. Well, that's really good. <laughs> so so it that's way better than Hey, just calling to check in. Want to see if you made a decision yet? Yeah. That that hey, just calling to check in. You're a tin cup and a cardboard sign away from begging. It's like hey, just calling to check in. God bless. Right? I mean, you sound like you're begging. And I think a lot of times in the dating world, the same thing can happen. So like hey, I haven't heard from you. Yeah, it's because either I was out of town, or I've lost interest. Or I the was ghosting. A, yeah. Or and if they're not calling you back in a couple of days, then it's pretty. It's pretty much done. I so mean, like, there's no reason that you they shouldn't be contacting you. Well, and keep in mind, it could be they were out of town. You left three messages, so now they have no interest. Oh well, if you're leaving three messages, then maybe that, that's a different conversation. It gets back to the psychiatrist. Part. Right. Exactly. Maybe you need a therapist. I mean, if they, I mean, if people. I had one girlfriend, she's like, well, I called and I text and, you know, he didn't get back. And, you know, maybe like she like made up the story like, well, I think he said he was traveling this week and and, you know, maybe he's still out of town. And I said, sister, it's been a week. He ain't calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's done. Like, yeah. keep it moving. Yeah, and, and I think that so if if when you if you think to yourself, OK, what's too much? What's not enough? Part of it is setting expectations up front. So yeah. from a business side, if you leave a meeting, you say, Look, so I'm sure you guys need some time to, to think through this and see whether or not this is a good fit for you. Um, what should our next steps be? Mm -hmm. And the person says, well, I need about a week. Great. So if I don't hear from you, what, in two weeks, should I reach out to you? Yeah, please. And now you know you've just established that. Now, if in the meantime you wanted to send them something, let's say it was someone which was an association mm -hmm. and they were losing members, you could now send a piece of content, an article that says, hey, here's an article that talks about your business issues and your challenges. Yeah, here, here, here's someone else who faced this challenge and how they dealt with it. It may be applicable for you. Now you're adding value to them, mm -hmm. but you can't send it as a veiled piece of value that isn't like, oh, here's an article that talks about this product that we're selling you. Yeah, that's not going to work. No. Now, what do you think about you know in business? Like, say you wanted to go after five clients because I think if you have you know a hundred clients that you're going after, I think that that's you're not really going to get great results. But you should really kind of hone in us on 
maybe five and really do your research because I talk about research a lot. Um, research your clients, see what they, they're into or even your prospects and make it personal. You know, if you're calling it, I mean, I know my top, you know, my top customers that, that do a lot of, um, they're building up businesses in different uh, states around the country. And so I talk to them more on a daily basis than other things. So I get to know them real well. And so I'm friendly and we talk about family, we talk about sport, we talk about everything. So you have that kind of camaraderie, right? So let's, let's change that into the dating world, right? So give so, us your thoughts on. So, so if, you, if you take the shotgun approach, then it's like, you know, you're the old school stereotypical sales, pushy salesperson. Well, if I knock on enough doors, someone's eventually gonna say yes, which, hey, if that's your strategy, great, but you're probably not tuning into this program if that's your philosophy. Right. So if you're trying to find something that's a meaningful connection, then recognize that the first thing you have to do, just like in business, it's all about qualification. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing on the personal side. So you wanna qualify who's likely to be the best fit for me, and then I wanna double down and spend a lot of time with the people who are likely to be a good fit, mm -hmm. rather than spend time with just anybody with a pulse. Because what'll happen is, the people who you're the best fit for, if you don't give them enough attention, enough focus, then you're gonna miss an opportunity that's a great one, because you're spread too thin on all the other garbage. Right, so like all the other sites. So if you're on 20 different sites, it's hard to manage. And there's gonna be um, overflow. Some of the people are gonna be on the same <laughs> same ones. So what would you suggest, um, you know, honing in on maybe one site for a particular amount of time and really kind of work that system? So well, like for example, the reason why there's farmersonly.com is because they recognize that being hyper-focused really works well. So it sounds funny because most of the free world says farmersonly.com, I don't think so. But if you're someone who is either a farmer or someone who likes the idea of the farming lifestyle, that's like home for you. Right. So the notion of I wanna have wide appeal to everybody versus I wanna have narrow focus, two very different things. And so oftentimes, when you're a generalist, if you think about it, no one ever refers somebody to a great generalist. Oh, so-and-so, they're like the best generalist on the planet. <laughs> exactly. It's always specialists. So if we can focus more from a specialization standpoint, it works better. So I'd, I'd be a big advocate, and I'm curious to see what the results are, because I haven't really studied this, but I'm guessing that people have very high success rates in those hyper-focused sites, more so than the generic sites. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's true. So what do you think about having people stand out from in a crowd? So could you talk a lot about um, the ruling company, right? Yep. And so give us some ideas, especially um, what he provides and how, how that helps with your business so, and your clients. So, so ruling group, so John Ruling's company deals with these high-end specialty gifts that really make you stand out. And it's the kind of things where when they personalize things, it's not for you, it's for the recipient. Right. So we just got some knives that someone sent us that the ruling group, I know, sourced them. And it says, handcrafted exclusively for Deborah and Ian Altman. So it was a gift to me that includes Deborah's name on it. So Deborah's like, oh, that's my knife. Yeah. Right? And it makes it, it makes it exciting. Standing up from the crowd, a lot of times it's gonna be, how do, you, how do you come across differently than somebody else? Meaning, so if, you, if you're saying the same thing as everyone else, like if, if you wanna see a classic example of this, Go into, your, go into Google and pull up 10 law firms in your local market and then copy and paste their text and take their name out. And it's gonna say the same thing for all 10, all 10 law firms. 
So they don't stay in that at all. There is an entrepreneurial law firm called Momentum Law Group in, uh, in I think it's in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And their whole focus is legal representation and legal advice for entrepreneurs. And that's it. And oh, by the way, when you hire us, we don't charge you for every phone call. We, like, it's all these different things that are people's pet peeves. So for example, someone could say, oh, I'm outgoing, I do this, I do that. Someone might put up there and say, here are the things that I don't do. I'm not gonna text you four times a day and say, where are you right now? Yeah. Okay, I haven't told anybody this, but I will tell you this. So, um, so I, I'm airing it out there. So when I was signing up with Match.com, they said, because you know me, I'm pretty sarcastic, but um, so they said, well, put in a user username. I was like, all right. I put in username yeah. and it went through. <laughs> no one else. No one else. Username. I mean, I mean the irony of it, right? And uh, and so I would have people say to me, "Oh, your username, like, well, you're not very creative." And I'm like, "Okay, delete." Like, clearly, you yeah, don't if, get it. Yeah, if you don't get that sarcasm. <laughs> that you, but by the way, the the risk that a lot of people have, and businesses face face this all the time, and applies to dating also, is well, I don't want to be specific enough because I might scare somebody away. Yeah. And what I would say is actually be hyper-specific and you will turn away people that probably weren't going to be a good fit anyhow. And you're going to really attract the people who do great. There's a, a buddy of mine is interviewing for an admin assistant in their business. And so he put in the ad, I'm looking for a unicorn. I want somebody who can do this, this, that. And by the way, in your cover letter, you have to use the word awesome three times. Oh. And it was funny because look, it, he was sharing with me some of the responses and they were boring as anything. And this one person responded and said, um, you may not be able to tell from every angle, but I could be your unicorn and here's why. And didn't lead with awesome early on. No, because you can't do that. But, but then where she used awesome she footnoted it and said, here's the first instance, right? And then it was like, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah. and, and this sounds like such an awesome opportunity, right? And then the footnote was, here's the second one. So I'm compliant, but it's kind of gratuitous. And then the third one was, so I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not I might actually be awesome. And it was, hey, third one's a charm. But it was just, it was creative. Yeah. And so she stood out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you have to stand out. And that's really, that's a good segue into um, how important it is for persistence and positive mental toughness um, in, the, in the dating world and in the business world. Well, I, I think that it, it is important because you deal with a lot of rejection from the business side and the personal mm -hmm. side. However, a lot of it has to do with mindset. If your mindset is that my job is to make a sale every time I meet with somebody, it's going to feel like a lot of rejection. If you think of it as my goal is to see whether or not someone's a fit. And if they are, I'm going to tell, you know, I'm, I'm going to suggest, "Hey, we might have a fit." And if not, I'm okay telling them that. Then it's not so much rejection. It's, you know what? I didn't think we'd have a fit. And it turns out we don't. No big deal. Right. So then it requires less mental toughness. Right. Because it's not that there's something wrong with you that they didn't select you, and that applies business or personally, but it's just more See, what I offer, my puzzle pieces don't fit their puzzle. Right. So it's totally cool. Yeah, 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 totally cool. And, and, it, and it lowers the stress level of it because if you go there thinking, okay, I got to make the sale, this person has to like me, it kind of sucks. I mean, as a speaker, one of the things that, that my buddy Marcus Sheridan and I often talk about is that when, when you're dynamic, 
you're going to piss off some people. So we always say is, look, if 95% of the people love us and 5% hate us, we did great. If 100% of the people kind of like us, then we kind of underserve the audience because we should be pissing somebody off if we're, if we're controversial enough. Right, right. So when you say in the, the abyss of dating in, in, in business and, and business, if what would you say to those people that say, well, I'm just going to give up on, on my dream of being an entrepreneur or give up on dating? I mean, what kind of, what one piece of advice could you, could well, you give them? Well, I mean, just, it's easy to give up, but don't take that defeatist mindset. And once again, it gets back to, well, I haven't met anybody. Well, but does your message suck? So oftentimes people come to me and say, hey, can you help our sales strategy? And I say, well, let me hear what your message is. Yeah. Oh, our message is great. Okay, so what you're telling me is you have a great message, but miraculously nobody responds to it. That's one possibility. Or option B, your message isn't as great as you think it is. Right. And if it was, the right people would be attracted to it. So if you want to make sure that your message attracts the people you're trying to attract. And a lot of that gets back to being specific versus general. If, you, if you're basically saying, hey, I'm a woman looking for a guy, guess what? It's going to fall on deaf ears. If you say, hey, my username is username, and then you have something witty in your profile, yeah. guess what? The people who have that type of sense of humor are going to say, wow, she's cool. I want to meet her. And the people who don't have that sense of humor are be like, yeah, I don't get it. Right. And that's a good thing. Yeah, because that's, that person that, wasn't a fit anyway. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not hitting that. Yeah, picture box. <laughs> exactly. So, t- can you tell us um, any funny dating stories that you've heard of or been on any kind of uh, thing you can share with the audience on that? You know what? I mean, I'm oblivious to the world, and Deborah Deborah will always say this. When when Deborah and I first met, we actually met at a singles event where I was dating somebody at the time, and. My, one of my cousins just broken up with, with his girlfriend, and my aunt says to me, look, will you take him to this thing? He won't go by himself. So, of course, the girl I'm dating says, well, you're going to meet somebody. I said, I'm not going to meet anybody. I'm just taking him. I'm like his wingman. He's just feeling insecure. Right. I'm going to go with him. And, of course, I meet Deborah there. Um, so, so for the other girl, yeah, you were right. <laughs> um, her intuition was speaking exactly. to her. Wow. Brilliant. Brilliant. Winner. Winner. So, so, um, so I was traveling a lot as I, as I do now in my current business. And so I said to Deborah, I said, well, listen, you know, when I'm in town for more than 24 hours, why don't we get together um, maybe for like, you know, lunch or, or breakfast? And Deborah's thinking, lunch or breakfast? not doing lunch or breakfast. I mean, what's with this guy? And so she's like preparing to write this whole like diatribe, like basically what's wrong with you, dude? All right. Because I'm oblivious. I mean, at this point I'm like, well, she's kind of interesting, but you know, we'll kind of see where it goes. And my nights, you know, my travel schedule is so crazy that I might be in town for like a day and then leaving that night. So I'll make it lunch, but I didn't make that clear. Yeah. And then of course, and then of course, so we got together, we got together for lunch, went to this beautiful resort and she's like, oh, well, this is okay. And, um, and, you know, the rest is history, but it was just kind of funny because Deborah's comment was, yeah, I mean, he had no idea that I was interested. He was like oblivious, which is funny because I pick up business cues really well, mm-hmm. social cues, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so can you tell us a little bit about, um, some of the, the upcoming, are you sp- speaking anywhere interesting or what, talk us a little bit about your website and give us an update of what's coming down the pike for well, you. So every, everything you can find out about me is at ianaltman.com. Okay. My Twitter handle is Ian Altman. You know, I, I've got the good fortune of speaking all around the world at some, at some pretty cool places. So I'm looking forward. There's an event I'm speaking at in November at the Ritz-Carlton Key Biscayne oh. down in Florida. So it's just oh, it's yeah. a beautiful place. So I'm always trying to convince Deborah to do that. 
I've got a trip coming up that um, I can't believe I scheduled because I speak in the on a Monday morning outside of Cincinnati. Okay. That's over at noon. And then I speak the next day at noon in Newcastle, England. Wow. So I have to get from Cincinnati to Newcastle um, in about, you know, if you factor in the time change, about 18 hours. Oh. Um, and figure out a way to sleep and shower and shave and change and get on stage in Newcastle the next day. And, um, and then the following week, after I get back from Newcastle, I'm speaking in, I think, San Francisco. So oh, okay. that'll be a little bit of a whirlwind week. Right. You'll be a little bit tired. <laughs> and then, I'll, and then, I'll, then I'll recharge for a few days. Exactly. But yeah. The, the, the fall tends to be a really busy time as a speaker. Well, well, that's good, though. You're yeah. out there and given, given your rock star performance, which, which is amazing. I have one more thing that I just remembered that um, before we wrap up. So the one story you told me about when you were speaking, how this guy said it, that the dating and the sales, the same side dating. <laughs> so, so I, so I will, I will very often be speaking, and it's usually some some guy in his twenties mm-hmm. where I'm talking about same side selling because I, I give workshops around around the uh, around the world also, like this this full day immersion on same side selling. They're posted on my website uh, from time to time, and so this one guy sitting there and he's in the front. And he goes, <laughs> "Hey, he's the whole he's sitting there for about five minutes." And he goes, raised his hand. I said, "Yeah," and he goes. Couldn't I use this same stuff for dating? Right? And the woman next to him like hits him. And I said, well, wait, this is like the force. You can use it for good or evil. So if you use it to for good to find who's a good fit in a relationship, that's great. If you're using it for manipulation, bad. And yeah. so that applies in business as well as in relationships. If you're using these techniques to be deceptive, not good. No. If you're using it to get to the truth, which is what I say sales is all about, then yeah. Go for it. yeah, don't go on the dark side. Exactly. Let's, let's stay with Mark Hamill. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, great. Well, thank you again, Ian. It was such a pleasure to have you here today. I really appreciate it. Jen, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.